The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Hindrances to the narrow path. Hindrances to the narrow path. Almighty God, would you open this word to our hearts from your sermon. Lord, you said that your word would break the rocks. Lord, let your word today break our hearts and bring us into a pleasant pasture where there is still water and a banqueting table. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Matthew, the seventh chapter, we'll begin reading with verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's go back and look at this verse in 13. Enter through the narrow gate or the gate that causes you to suffer affliction. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small or groaning is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I've had the picture in my mind of coming to a place where there are two roads. 
One is a broad and pleasant path, and one is a narrow, hard path. And in my mind, I've said now, everyone must choose which of these two paths they'll take. The problem with that picture is that it's not true to the scriptures. I've held a false image in my mind, and the Holy Spirit has quickened this to me. No, there is only one path. It's broad, it's wide, it's spacious. It accommodates all of us quite easily. It's beautiful. It's lined with churches. It's lined with businesses. There are nice restaurants to sit out on the sidewalk and eat French pastries. It's a beautiful flowered garden. People are laughing and shopping and walking down the boulevard. Everybody is excited about where they're going. One to this restaurant, another to this concert, another to King's Dominion. They're all going and they're excited about where they're going. They're going to have a good time. They're going to have fun. This narrow path. Did you notice this as I read it this time? It leapt from the page for me this week. Verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. In other words, the narrow gate is not located beside the broad path. It's hidden. You don't get to say, okay, am I going to take the broad way or am I going to take the narrow way? You don't get that choice. The only choice you have is laid out before you the beautiful boulevard that will take you wherever you want to go. In the beginning, the end thereof is hell. But at the beginning, it's a very pleasant boulevard. And you say to yourself, it's going my direction. There are other travelers to go with me. Surely this is the path I should take. But something in your spirit checks you and says, wait a minute. After I've had all of the entertainment, after I've ridden all the rides, after I've had all the food, then what am I going to do? Where will it take me? Did you know that every road will take you somewhere? Every road will take you somewhere. Sometimes my sweetheart says, Ray, could we just go for a ride? Sure, where do you want to go? It doesn't matter. I just want to ride with you. These were in the days when gas was less expensive. (laughs) So many times we've gotten in the car and we've just driven, oh, there's a pleasant road, let's take that one. Or, oh, let's go this way. Do you know where you're at? No, I'm utterly lost. We're just driving together, having a good time. Sometimes we find a a little restaurant hidden away, or we find a little shop hidden away with beautiful pottery. And sometimes when we've been on those trips, we've even purchased a pie plate because I want her to make me a cherry pie. Something to remember, the pleasant trip through the countryside. 
But on every one of those drives, we finally came to a place on the journey where we said, where are we? And always we either had to see a familiar landmark or we had to pull the map out and begin to search to say, where is this taking us? It's getting dark and we need to go home. Well, on the broad path, it's also necessary, and all of us have been on the broad path, to finally stop and say, my life is getting dark. The light is failing. Where am I? Now, often a husband will say that or a wife will say that, and the other spouse will say, hey, come on, honey, let's ride a bit further. I'm having too good a time to stop. But even that other spouse will finally say, you know, I really want to go home. It's not pleasant to sleep in the car. There is placed in our heart by the Holy Spirit a longing desire to finally go home. And it causes us to stop and ask, where are we? And Where will this road that we're taking cause us to end up? And will we end up on 95 where we can slip back up and get home? This narrow path, however, is not quickly or easily found. It's not readily accessible. And so there are many travelers on the Broadway that as it begins to grow dark, are not able to find the narrow path. They've gone too far down, and there is no point of return. And they drop over the edge into hell, because it's too late. This narrow path, however, Jesus is saying, must be searched for. It must be looked for. Now, have you ever gone searching and you couldn't find the highway? And you stop and you ask directions and they laugh and they say, oh, this is not easy to find. Have you ever felt like that? I can't get there from here. There's no road that goes where I want to go. It's this hunger, this longing that begins to grow in my heart that says, I must find this narrow path. And when I finally find it, it's not a highway. I have to park my car. This is not a highway that I can pleasantly ride down and enjoy the entertainment. Again, the question is, where do I want to go? not how pleasant the journey is to get there. You can't ride on the narrow path. But on that highway, there is one consolation. You get to travel with a small company of people. You get to share your story. You get to have other brothers and sisters encourage you on the journey to challenge you and to keep you on the path. But this narrow path is 
hard to find, and only a few are going to find this path because there are some major hindrances to finding the path. I want to identify the hindrances that Jesus gives us. The first hindrance to finding this narrow path is found in verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. The first hindrance to finding the narrow path is everything we've been told. All of the expectations we come with. All the wonderful advertisements we've had for the Christian life. You know, all you need to do is confess Jesus as your Lord and accept him. And you're saved. You're now on the narrow path. Liar, liar, your pants are on fire. False prophet. All you have to do is go to church, pay your tithe, and, and you don't even have to come every week. If you, if you make it two or three times a month, that's good. We're, we all have busy schedules, and we all have to accommodate our busy schedules. False prophet. These lying prophets that have come to us, you know what a prophet is. A prophet is not one who foretells. They're one who foretells. A prophet is one who tells you how it is. So when you have a false prophet, he comes and tells you how he thinks it is, but it's not. And Jesus is saying, the first and greatest hindrance to finding the narrow path is the false prophet who will tell you to go somewhere where you go and you don't find the narrow path. You find the broad road. They come to you in sheep's clothing. In other words, they look humble. They look genuine. But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. Why does he use the term ferocious wolf? Because he's coming to get something for himself. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Let's look at what the good fruit is and what the bad fruit is. Go to Galatians very quickly. Galatians, the fifth chapter. We're going to begin with verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So you know right now that the, one of the fruit pieces that we're looking at is whether or not there is a heart to serve others or whether that person wants to be served. That's the telling sign for all of us. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So if a prophet comes and he bites and devours, you know he's a false prophet. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 
For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Now he's going to list for us the specific items that are of the sinful nature that will be the fruit of a false prophet. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. You know what debauchery is? Taking anything to an excess. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you have a false prophet come who's dressed up in sheep's clothing, you have to ask, are any of these fruits or fruit in his life? Does he have fits of rage? Does he have selfish ambition? Is he envious? Is he drunken? Is he jealous? Does he, does he cause discord? Does he have hatred or bitterness in his heart? All of us have been called to be prophets of God, to foretell the word of God, to speak into the lives of other people about the gospel of Jesus. And if you come to speak into their lives about the broad way or the narrow way, you'll receive your reward. And you will be unable to speak into their lives the truth about the narrow way if any of these items that I've just listed are exhibited in your life. All you'll be able to do is encourage men and women to get on the broad path which you've identified as the narrow path. But by your behavior and by your life, you're saying, no, it's not the narrow path. Let's get on the broad path. Notice what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there can be no law. If I begin to act in a manner that says I am walking the broad way, I am under the law, and I am under the penalty of the law. I can call myself a Christian. I can say I believe in Jesus. But if I walk the broad path and encourage other people by my silence, by my dishonesty, By any measure, if I encourage others to walk that broad path, I am under the law. The only way I am delivered from the law is when I die and I choose to allow Jesus to cause the fruit of the Spirit to be birthed 
in my life. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but there is condemnation under the law. And we've got to make certain we're not walking under that law. The law condemns all sin. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. Doesn't the blood of Jesus cover that sin? The blood of Jesus will wash that sin away if it's confessed and repented of and turned aside from. But if it's a fruit of my life, the blood of Jesus will not cover it until that thing's been dealt with. So you have Jesus saying, only a few are going to find this path. The majority of people are not going to go to heaven. Jesus was even asked, Lord, are only a few, only a few going to enter into your kingdom? Now, do you understand that if only a few are going to enter, and it's going to be those who find the path, wouldn't it seem right for me to say to you, then use every ounce of your energy and every bit of your skill to find that narrow path and to walk on it. Oh, I'm a weekend treasure hunter. You know, I'll take my little metal detector out on the weekend over on the beach and see if I can find a few quarters. Now, what Jesus is talking about is becoming a full-time treasure hunter. In fact, that's all I do from now on. I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I trust that while I'm out there beachcombing full-time, seeking the treasure, all my needs are going to be covered. Jesus is going to cover me. There's another hindrance to entering into this narrow path. The first hindrance and the great hindrance was another person coming as a false prophet in my life and speaking into my life in a way that causes me to not spend full time and energy searching after Jesus, but dumbs me down and says, you don't have to worry. You're on the path. Don't be concerned about your salvation. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, Pastor, why don't you just shut up about wanting the Holy Spirit? You've got it. You know, why don't you just be quiet about your concern about salvation? You're saved. Well, no, I'm not going to shut up. I don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, not anywhere near where it was found in the Scriptures. And I am concerned about my salvation like I'm concerned about yours. But every man has to find his own path in Jesus. So it's my duty to come and say to you, you're not going to find this path and you're not going to stay on this path if you don't use all your time and energy to get there. Then there are other hindrances. Notice verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, there is a verbal profession that Jesus is my Lord, but our hearts are far from him. Repeatedly, revival would come to the children of Israel 
but it was revival because they wanted to escape someone or something. They wanted peace in the land. They didn't want the Lord God Almighty. They wanted the destroyer to be defeated. And so the Lord would raise up a judge. He would go to war against this enemy, the Midianites or whoever it was that was oppressing. The enemy would be cleared out. Hey, now it's farming time. Let's get the, let's make some money. Their hearts were far from God. Elijah's revival lasted half a day. Bow down, face to the ground. Oh, God, you're the Lord. You're the Almighty. Let's go home and have dinner. Revival was over. It was nice watching all the priests getting slaughtered. That was exciting. 400 of them killed with the sword. We mean business. Now let's go home and have dinner. Revival over. There is a verbal profession that says, I love Jesus, but in the heart we do all the wickedness we can. That will hinder us from finding this narrow path. Number two, there is an intellectual knowledge of the gospel where inquiring minds want to know. Intellectual knowledge never brought a man or woman to salvation. It's not what we understand that brings us salvation. It's our heart turned toward Jesus, humbled before him, submitted to him. And so when I ask, do you have any stalemates with God? That's a question not of the mind. That's a question of the heart. Are you choosing to hold a grudge against God? Are you choosing to say, I will not submit myself to you, Lord God of heaven? We have an intellectual understanding of what the gospel is, but there is a heart stalemate that says, I want my life. I want my house. I want my car. I want my job. I want my lifestyle. There is an intellectual understanding of the gospel that allows us to call ourselves Christians and hide the stalemate of rebellion in our heart so that we're never able to walk that narrow path. The third hindrance to walking the narrow path is a defensive spirit. A defensive spirit. Look, I've never submitted to anybody in my life. What makes you think I'm going to submit to you, God? A defensive spirit that says, look, I'll accept you, but on my terms. A defensive spirit rooted in bitterness. I didn't get what I wanted. 
you owe me bitterness of heart. This bitterness of heart causes me to be extremely defensive. The first response is, wait a minute, Pastor, what are you saying to me? What do you mean by what? What does is mean? Defensiveness. You know, I just don't understand what you're saying. I'm confused. You know, I've never seen a confused person who wasn't in rebellion against God. By definition, confusion is rebellion. Confusion says, look, I'm in charge here. If you want me to go along, I'm going to have to understand what you're saying. (laughs) You're going to have to make it plain to me, and then I'm going to evaluate it. And I'm going to decide whether or not I will do what you've asked me to do. All confusion is totally swept out of the mind when it simply says, Lord Jesus, I worship you. You are my king and my Lord. I submit to you. What are your instructions? Yes, sir. No, don't, don't, don't say that to me. You know, I even get that as pastor. Sometimes it's just a look. Drop dead. Don't come any closer. I'll talk to you this week, Pastor. The week goes by and my phone doesn't ring. You know what I'm doing? I'm in my prayer closet, lifting that one up, saying, Lord, deal with them. Don't let them off the hook. Please go after them, Jesus. Defensiveness. The fourth one, trust and performance. You know, look, I can walk down the road in front of me, and I'll do the best I can do, and that's all I can do. I'm not perfect. What do you expect of me, Pastor? You know, I'll give it an old college try. I'll do my best. But that's all I can do. Now, if that's not good enough for you, get off my back. Oh, performance. The narrow path is not about performance. On the narrow path, we're going to fall down and bloody our knee. We're going to get hurt. We're going to stand up and brush it off and go on. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to say things we shouldn't have said. We're going to confess it. We're going to embarrass ourselves. And we're going to go right back on the narrow path. No pride's going to keep me off the narrow path. No defensiveness is going to keep me off the narrow path. I want to go into eternal life with Jesus Christ. What's these few years that I'm trading? And I have to be honest with you. I have had to sit back with my wife, and we have together looked at the years of our lives. 
And we have said, look how much time we have invested in the call of the National Prayer Chapel. Look where it has gotten us financially. Look where it's gotten us emotionally as we've been exhausted. We have looked at it with cold eyes. And we have said, is it time to quit? Have we gone as far as we can go? And we have both honestly looked at one another and said, we are willing to give all of the remaining years of our lives to whatever the Lord has on this narrow path and with the National Prayer Chapel. So others may come and go. The narrow path for me remains continuing up the mountain. And even if I give all of the remaining years of my life with no accomplishments and nothing to show for it, and when I die, you all gather together and remember Pastor Ray and tuck me in till Jesus comes. It will have all been worth it. Because this is just a very short journey when compared to the years of eternity. It was said of Moses that he despised the things of Pharaoh. Do you see the beautiful place we're being called? Do you see the, the position as the wife of God that we're being called to? Do you see the glory of what Jesus has offered us? And is it enough to cause your heart to say, I will walk the straight and narrow, regardless of what it costs me? Even if it means none of my ambitions are met, none of my dreams are fulfilled, there is nothing in my life to demonstrate that I'm a powerful person who should be respected by anybody? Is it okay? Is it okay if I come to the end of my time and I pull my pockets out? And I have no gold coins in them. Is that all right? Yes. And so sometimes I'm going to have plenty. And sometimes I'm going to go hungry. Sometimes I'm going to have a place to lay my head. At other times, I'm going to sleep outside. It doesn't matter. Paul said, I've learned to be content no matter what the circumstances. Because his heart was sold out to follow Jesus. That's where he was going. If I've not set my heart in that kind of a posture with Jesus, and the going gets rough, and things begin to rub between me and someone else, I'm going to cop an attitude. I'm going to say, this is not fair. 
You can't do that. You didn't talk to me. I'm the boss. You're not respecting me. Look, all I'm asking, listen to what I'm saying. You're not even listening to me. When we come to Jesus and we walk the narrow road, we give up all of those options. Nobody has to listen to us anymore. Nobody has to respect us anymore. Nobody has to pamper us anymore. Oh, there, there, it's going to be better after. No! I can guarantee you if you went to the Marine recruiter and signed up, and that first morning, revelry, and you slept five extra winks, and you get dumped unceremoniously out of your bunk onto a cold, hard cement floor, and you say, hey, you can't treat me that way. You're going to have a sergeant in your face that will take your head off. Well, we're in the army, folk. We're in the army of the Lord. And it's yes, sir, to the Lord Jesus. And it's kindness and mercy and long-suffering with one another. It's gentleness, love, compassion to one another. It's not judging. Jesus is saying, this road is narrow. And he's saying, look, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So two men build a house. They use the same rafters. They use the same windows. They use the same siding. The two houses have exactly the same material in them. One is built in the wash, and one is built on the stone with a foundation. And the wind comes, the rains pour, and Jesus says one house comes down with a crash, and the other one stands firm. One house was built on the broad way, and one was built on the narrow way. Where are you building your house? And I know in my heart rises up this thing that says, but what about me? What's in this for me? What do I get out of this? And Jesus would answer and he would say, you get to die. You get to be beaten. You get to be persecuted. You get to be scorned and scoffed at. And when you've proven faithful, you get to be with me through eternity. What's your choice? Have you found the narrow path yet? Or have you been hindered from it? 
Are your feet on that straight and narrow highway of holiness today? Have you spent all of your time and energy and money seeking after the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness? If so, then you don't need to worry about anything else. It's taken care of. But I'll guarantee you that there's going to be quite a gap between what you think you need and everything being taken care of. Because this is no cream puff deliverance. It's straight, it's honest, and it's hard. It's not by chance we meet in a hotel. It's not by chance we meet in a church that is not ours, that we can be moved out of without much notice. There is something very healthy for us in not having a home. Then you know you're pilgrims. You know you're on a journey. Heavens in my view. Heavens in my view. I'm a stranger here, a pilgrim, just passing through. Almighty God, thank you for giving us this incredible Sermon on the Mount. Thank you for not being soft and emotional. Lord, you shared all of your emotions on the cross. You wept for us. You paid the price. And now it's our turn. Lord, would you come and pick us up and put our feet on this narrow path? Would you cause us to have eyes that see and ears that hear that we could find it and walk on it? Would you break the deception of the false prophets? Thank you, mighty King. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Together, create.
God. Oh, God, and renew a right spirit within me. And renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, God, and renew a right spirit within me. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with great joy now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy to the only.
falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy.